Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Rail Bricker with us. He's in Perth, Australia, but he's originally from South Africa. Rail, thank you so much for coming in. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on your podcast, and hope I can add some value to your listeners. We've just been chatting a few minutes before we started recording, and I learned quite a few things, so I think we have a lot to talk about for sure. Now, you mentioned that you have been in Perth for how many years? For 20... 22 years, actually. It's now 2021. So 22 years. Okay. I worked it out. So I actually know someone in Perth. He is a clown or a balloon artist. Um, I think he's heavier in the clowning side, but I think you are on the same time zone as mainland China. Is that correct? Same time zone as Singapore and Malaysia. Yes. And mainland China covers three or four time zones. So, um, Between us and Sydney, which is two hours, we'll cover most of the mainland China time zones. We're directly south of Singapore and Malaysia. Okay. So uh, China is a little interesting because they only have one. Even though they cover three or four for other countries, they just keep one. So the sun could be setting at midnight (laughs) if you're in the right spot. Uh, We are in Arizona, so I think you and I are 15 hours apart. So this is my... Uh, 4.30 in the afternoon for me, and it's like 7.30 in the morning for you. And so I'm coming to you from the future. Yes, yes. That's actually exactly what my friend in Perth always says. <laughs> He's like, I am from the future. This is tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> so what brought you to Australia? Um, I, an opportunity. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a believer in the Henry Ford philosophy. So Henry Ford was asked why he was so successful. And he said he jumped at the good opportunities. And so the interviewer said, well, okay, so how did you know which were the good opportunities? And he said, I just kept jumping. (laughs) And so, you know, unfortunately today we see a lot of people who suffer from from shiny object syndrome. You know, they'll chase the next shiny object. And, okay, that's not what I'm talking about. You know, it's a calculated risk, but not an overthought risk. So, um. I guess to put that into context, so I started a business in 1990 in South Africa. In fact, in 1990, I got married as well, and I'm still married, just just to put that out there. Um, we got married. We share the same date and time with Nelson Mandela. So Nelson Mandela came out of jail on the 11th of February, 1990 at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. At 4 p.m. in the afternoon, the 11th of February, 1990 was our wedding at the exact same date and time that he came out of jail. That's, um, there are wow. a whole lot of jokes that I tell on stage sometimes that my wife has approved about him going coming out of jail and me going into jail on the same day, but that's a, that's a different story. Um, but I started <laughs> my first like... business. I started my first business in 1990. 1996, we reverse listed that into a shell, into a stock exchange shell. I worked for them for a year. And then I was working from home with a venture capital fund. And so um, that, that was, I guess, the start of it was, was we were working from home um, I, and an opportunity came up to start an education business in Australia. And I went, yeah, why not? Um, I've got no ties. We've got two small kids and we got, you know, we got visas to come to Australia. And so we came to Australia in 1999 as an adventure. More than anything, we just said, Look, yes, we're selling up in South Africa. We're going to a new country. We'll try it out. If it doesn't work, we'll pack up and go back. It's not, you know, it's a, it's money, but it's not anything critical. So, yeah, so that's, the, it, I came here. And I, in fact, that, that opportunity never eventuated. 
Um, oh, I really? Working, you moved? No, I, I got advice from locals who said, go and work for somebody for a year or two when you get here just to understand the culture and understand how people think because it's different in Australia. Although we speak the same language as South Africa, it's different. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And so, yeah, so I came here, got a job with a venture fund as an investment manager and then a director of the fund. We listed that fund on the stock exchange in 2000. Um, they asked me to move to Sydney and I went, no. Uh, I like Perth. At the time, it was 1.4 million people. Yeah. It was a nice place to bring up my kids. And I said, yeah, I'm staying in Perth. So went out on my own again, back to my lounge, back to my office at home. Um, started, ended up... Um, opening. So you a, had to leave that opportunity when when they when you when they wanted you to move to Sydney. That was the yeah. end of that relationship. Oh no! I mean, I, actually, they asked me to stay as a consultant to them for six months, okay. which I did. But and I'm still friendly with the guys on that fund today. I mean, I still see them socially. Um, you know, we're in the same community. We see each other a couple times a year, and we still have a, a good working relationship. In fact. The guy who is chairman of the fund is also one of the trustees of the school of which I'm, I'm vice president of the board. So, okay. you know, we, we have other connections over the, the last 20 years. So, um, yeah, I, I made a decision to stay in Perth, which was a good decision. Ultimately, it's been a great place to raise my kids, although, you know, in a few months, only one of the three will be living here. But mm. it's been a great place to give them a grounding and a place to grow up. So, yeah, so that time I was back in my lounge room, back working from home again. So it's been a journey. Um, in fact, our education business that we started in 1990 started in my business partner's house. Okay. A, a room in his house. And we're working from home. And people would come for interviews for our, we started an education business. We didn't have premises yet. And we were, we, for the first six months, we were hiring other people's premises. So people had to come to his house to sign up but he had two big Labradors. So they'd be walking through the garden, avoiding Labrador um, droppings all over. And, and they still came and signed up. I mean, that was more amazing <laughs> that they came to the house and signed up on a busy main road where there was no parking. You had to park down a side street and walk to the house. It, 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 to, to this day, we still joke about the fact that uh, it's imp we don't know how people actually signed up with us. We must have had something there. Well, maybe um, yeah, the fact that you have a physical location isn't as important to some people as maybe we would expect. Now, you've chosen to do more of a hybrid model. So it sounds as though yeah, you've been so now I have home. a Now I have a hybrid model. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So um, I've always, you know, had a, for, on a personal level as managing director of the team, which is 15 now, I've always yeah. had a, a full office at home. So two screen uh, set up here in the office, two screens at home. And I've always chosen to work at least one day a week at home, um, if not more. Um, and, and, and that was just because I could get stuff done because it's constant interruption with the team here, etc. So, and, and interestingly, I chose from a business point of view to make it a Wednesday, not a Monday okay. or a Friday. Yeah. Because people who take up a Monday or Friday are seen to be taking a long weekend. Yep. I chose to make it a Wednesday so the team knew I was working at home on my own. Um, and it, as it so happened for a number of years, my wife happened to be a teacher. 
a part-time teacher, used to teach on a Wednesday. So it wasn't like we were taking the day off to spend the day on the beach together. You know, the house was empty. She was at school. My kids were at school. And so I was working at home. So I chose that hybrid model. And it, the, what it allowed me to do from a business point of view was get the technology right, which we needed during COVID, when all my staff were working from home. So I had tried and tested the remote technology, the security systems on our remote access to the office. And so it took my IT guy two days to set everyone up at the beginning. And we were actually kind of predicting it. So early March 2020, yeah. I made sure that everybody had um, sufficient internet access at home, that they had a decent computer. And I actually was, so I was actually in Bali, okay? Oh, really? I actually went to, to Bali for a wedding that my daughter was a bridesmaid at on the weekend of the 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th of March. Oh, my goodness. You were lucky to get home. Well, yes. Yeah. So we came home and we had to go into two weeks home isolation. Yeah. Now Australia has a different system. You have to go to hotel quarantine. Yeah. We had to isolate at home. It was still very new. No one knew anything. So working from home, I literally got in on the, the wedding was Monday. I flew back Tuesday afternoon. Wednesday morning, the first thing I did was I called my team and I said, right, I'm assuming we're shutting down the office. Can one of you bring me an extra screen keyboard? Because I had my laptop with me. Okay. Um, even though I had a full office set up, I, I decided to set up a, a, a third office okay, on my patio because it was beautiful. It was March, mm. it was a beautiful time of the year here. It's mm -hmm. in American terms, 75 to 80 degrees, right. um, so beautiful weather, sunset at 7.30 at night. Mm. And so I decided to set up camp on my patio just wow. to deal with the two weeks of isolation. And so my team dropped off um, you know, monitors and everything else I needed for home. So um, I set that up. But at the same time, I was buying some of them laptops and making sure my IT guy was helping all of them set up double security so that we, because we work in the financial service industry, security is a big issue. Yeah. Security of information, privacy of information. So I had to put in uh, two level security to log into the office and all sorts of things. So, mm -hmm. um, and all my staff went to work from home. Um, but then every day I'd have a, a Zoom call with them at 9 a.m. to say, are you okay? How are you doing working from home? How are you dealing with working from home? And he has the, the, the proverbial lunchroom, coffee room, water cooler. Let's talk. We're not talking about business. You want to talk about business, call me on my mobile. We're just talking about how was your night? How's it working from home? And I actually made a lot of them take their mobiles and talk to me from their mobile outside, talk to us oh, on Zoom, nice. so that they broke away from the office as if they'd gone to the lunchroom to get a coffee. Right. So what did they tell you? Uh, okay, first of all, how long were those meetings? You said you started that right away on day one when everyone was working from home at 9 a.m.? Yeah, so about 20 minutes, that's all. For okay. me, it was about a responsibility to my team, and my mm -hmm. team are all long-term employees. I think the the youngest or the, the person who's been here the least time is actually now on maternity leave and she'd been here five years at that stage. Okay. So, um, what for did me, they say? it's just about the same way when I walk into the office, I'll walk up to everybody and say, how are you? How was your night? Did you have a, you know, did you have a good night? 
on a Monday morning, I'll ask them how the weekend was, etc. You know, so so the same way, I wanted to have that human connection. Yeah. Because, and I know your podcast is called I Work From Home. Well, that's part of the challenge. If you're a solopreneur and you're used to working from home, that's okay. Even when I was a solopreneur starting my financial services business, a lot of the time I would go to a coffee shop during the day to do some work just so I saw other people. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I did the same thing with my team. I said, let's just talk. Let's just talk as if we're sitting in the office for 10, 10, 15 minutes. Call me later on the mobile and we can talk about the real stuff of work. But this yeah. is social. And was that received well, do you think? Um, I don't think that everyone had that much love, that level of support. So I'm assuming that they felt supported. Were they open with you of the challenges that they faced? Yeah, and, and some of them, I would look at them on the video feed, and also I made sure they had their video on. Okay. I would look at them on the video, and after the call, I would call them and say, you didn't look right. Um, oh. What's wrong? And and that's that's a bit of, you know, I, I, I someone was described to me the other day as having a high IQ and a low EQ, um, which I thought was a great description. I'd like to think that I have somewhat of both. And and so it was just that emotional intelligence, looking at the team and going, there's something not right. Let me call them privately. And yes, some of them were struggling with idea. And so one of my team members, her partner works night shift most of the time. Yeah. And so um, he would be sleeping during the day, which was not a problem when she was working in the office. Yeah. But working from home and having to to make calls mm -hmm. from home was a problem. So she ended up also, like me, working outside most of the day on the patio, oh, wow. um, which was good because we had good weather. Yeah. But, but yes, yeah, so she, you know, so people were adapting to, to doing it. So, so there's two levels, and that was when we first spoke about it. There's two levels. There's the working from home that I've done over the last 30 years as a solopreneur the hybrid model that I put in for the last few years mm -hmm. and which I really enjoy. I enjoy the ability that I can wake up in the morning and, and go to the gym when the gyms open up again. Well, Perth, my, Perth is pretty normal. I mean, Perth has 27 COVID cases at the moment. That is it. Mm -hmm. And zero of those are in the community. Those are all in quarantine in hotels. And you had those recently had a lockdown. A few weeks ago, but then that was lifted again. Yes, the lockdown was three days. Mm -hmm. And then we had lockdown in the beginning of February. We locked down um, in middle of April, three days, and that was it. And so um, pretty much life is normal except the gyms are closed. So the lockdown extended for another week to the gyms. So okay. when the gyms open up, but the gyms have been pretty much open here for a number of months now. So I'd go to the gym and come home from the gym. Sometimes I'd go with my son at six in the morning and come back at quarter past seven, give him time to get ready for school. And my wife would go, aren't you showering going to the office? And I'd go, no, nah, I think I'll work from home today. You know, I don't have any clients to see. Um, I can be in, I can shower and be in a shorty, in shorts and a t-shirt and work from home. And so I've started doing that a lot more, mm -hmm. but by using technology. Yeah. And, and I think that's, I mentioned that to you before we started as well. I think one of the keys to being a solopreneur working from home 
and even now in my hybrid model, is using technology to the best we can. Um, you know, and, and so I think that's been one of the keys to doing it. Do you feel that you need to communicate to your team when you're going to be in the office versus when you're going to stay home, or is it just unspoken? Um, oh, I'll, we, we have a WhatsApp group for the team. I'll WhatsApp them in the morning and go, I'm at home today, call me. Now, so, so lots of things have happened with mobile. So let's just start there. So as a solopreneur, when I started my financial services business in 2001 in Australia, so 20, 20 years ago now, mm -hmm. um, one of the things I did was I said, let's use whatever technology is available. So mobile phones are obviously available, very basic yeah. mobile phones, <laughs> um, but mobile phones are available. So I went hunting around and I found on an answering service that I could divert my phone to. And there was a call center and they would answer, hello, Railbricker's phone is not available at the moment. Can I take a message for him? And they would then SMS me a message. Right? Wow, Simple, that was cutting edge service. for you. And I still use it today when I travel internationally, that service. Good. Um, and that's mainly because I don't want people calling me in the middle of the night and then getting grumpy yeah. that I didn't call them back within five minutes. Okay. Uh -huh. And so I would get an SMS. So, so a simple thing like that cost me $10 or $15 a month for that service. So that was the one. The second one is we, um, I put in a second phone line at home for my office. Mm -hmm. And I had divert set up that that diverted to my mobile if I'd rang more than four times. Okay. okay. So simple things that and in the financial services industry, I was like on the bleeding edge because I'd speak to brokers and they'd go, oh, I've got an answering machine at home. And if I'm out seeing clients the whole day, I get home and then I get my messages. And then the next morning I have to call the messages back. And I went, why? Like I'm sitting out in a coffee shop waiting to see a client. My phone rings. It's my office number. It's a bank. They're asking me a question about a client. I may not have the file because it was all paper-based in those days, right mm -hmm. accessible with me. But I, I have a good enough memory to remember most of it. And I'd go, here's the answer. Boom, boom, boom. I'm 24 hours ahead of my competitors who are still using answering machines at home. Um, and then maybe they got appointments the next day. So it takes them two days to get back to the lender. So, so I'm curious so, if you still have a landline now. Um, I do, but I don't. Yeah, we don't actually use it for anything. When we went on to... Uh, fiber optical cable at home, um, they gave me a free, they literally transferred my number over and gave me a free VoIP number. Um, I, it's there. We don't use it. We actually used it the other day because the mobile network dropped out. Oh, back up. Okay. Yeah, there was a, there was a problem with the cell near our house. Mm -hmm. So in fact, that there was a, a about a four kilometer radius where there was no mobile network of any of the networks around. Um, wow. And so, yeah, I, I was trying to find my wife. I realized what had happened. And so I called the home number, which took her me three rings to go because she normally ignores it because it's only <laughs> call centers trying to sell us something. Yes. Okay. Well, but I don't. So, so, and, and so it means faxes, right? So obviously faxes have gone by the wayside now. You, if you really need, I don't think anyone actually has to have a fax machine anymore. And it's pretty much by email now. So, but again, in those days we had a fax machine at home. And in fact, 
in, in Australia, you could do something called a duet line. So it was one line with two numbers on it, and it, it, it rang differently. And so the one rang to the fax and the one rang to my office number. Okay. And I say office in inverted commas because that number mostly was going through to my mobile. So, but I could, that, that was the simplicity of technology. When we arrived in Australia, we arrived with 100 kilos of luggage before the family for four of us. But in that luggage was a fax machine because I needed one, a um, dial-up modem because I had pre-arranged for internet access. This is talking 19, you know, 1999. Mm -hmm. um, internet was pretty slow, dial-up modems. But I had a modem with me. I had a, a very slow laptop. But I arrived here ready to, to work by having a fax machine, a scanner. It was a fax and scanner together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a modem. And the first thing I did when I got here was bought a mobile phone. So, so you, you can, you, you can actually be quite connected, even though sometimes we need to disconnect and have time out. And that's mm -hmm. part of the problem from working from home is how do you distinguish between work and, and home? That is the question, isn't it? How do you balance your work and home life? Work and um, home from home life. <laughs> so I tend at home, interestingly, not to use my laptop like I did when I was in isolation. Um, I might use it because my wife and I'll be looking at something downstairs in our house. But my office at home is upstairs. Um, we have a bedroom and a lounge and a study upstairs. So sort of the, the, the master suite plus um, an office upstairs. Um, and so I tend to work there most of the time and then go downstairs and that's a physical separation mm -hmm. um, from doing those. The, 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 the problem is I'm still OCD and still it is my baby and, my, and I have a number of businesses. And so I'll walk upstairs at 9.30 at night because I'm going to go and have a shower and I'll stop at my computer just to check if there were any emails, which is a really bad habit. And I actually tell people not to do it and I do it. Okay. Um, now, I don't expect, interestingly, I don't expect my staff to do that. Okay. So I'm the owner of the businesses and there are a couple of them. And so I see my responsibility as different. Um, whereas I would never expect my staff to do that. So how during. Many, how yes. many hours are you working in a week right now? Uh, working, working. 40 hours, maybe, because mm -hmm. I balance my time. So um, I, I still work from home, but I meet friends for coffee. Like the day I'm working at home, you know, I'll work, you know, till 10, 11 in the morning, then pop out and meet a friend for coffee who also works from home or solopreneur or go visit somebody, um, you know, go out for a bite. Sometimes I'll be working from home and I'll go, you know what, I don't feel like working from home now. I'll just take my laptop, go to a coffee shop and have lunch on my own and just carry on reading emails or sending emails or I've written a couple books, you know, uh, my, my main book called Dive In. I've got an e-book available as well. And so writing those things, writing blogs, writing articles, um, planning my next online course, I find I'm better at doing that when I'm at home or out of the office environment. So... So I think, you know, a lot of companies that I've been interviewing and working with on, on my speaking business, on my, so I'm a professional speaker, 
have been for six years. I'm currently president of Professional Speakers Australia in Western Australia, but also run my financial services groups. Um, so a lot of companies that I work with are looking at the concept of work near home, not work from home. Okay? Yeah. yeah. And so what they're saying is let's create hubs in, in, in residential areas, um, even if it's a serviced office suite, where people who live within, say, five kilometers of that area don't have to come into the corporate office, but they're feeling the, the restrictions of working from home, no human interaction, you know, no warm bodies around them. Mm -hmm. They can go to a serviced office in an area and maybe one or two of their colleagues will be working there the same day, but there are other people around. They can just see other people. We're mm -hmm. not loners by nature. Sounds like the co-working spaces or maybe like a satellite office. Yes. Well, satellite offices or so companies that are, are looking at it now, like Perth is an interesting city and it's not a big city. It's 2 million people. But to give you an idea of the size, it's very low set. So our beachfront is 60 odd kilometers. Okay. So, you know, you know, you take that, 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 that 60 kilometers and spread that inland. It's very geographically spread yeah and so you know to have regional offices may not make sense but to use serviced offices in a lot of areas where you can share facilities is starting to make a lot of sense for companies interesting so that the commute isn't so far yeah well th there's another one for you so a company i was interviewing in america in ohio actually Okay. Um, I, so I've interviewed a number of companies for my next book on corporate culture. Uh, and so I was interviewing them in the midst of the pandemic. And they're an insurance company. They have a call center that's onshore, onshore US, as opposed to Asian-based, all right, or Philippines or whatever. And I was asking them about what they did with COVID and this, their call center. And they said, oh, they sent everyone home. And they made sure that they had the right laptops and headsets and everything else. But I said, what was the biggest challenge that you had sending your 500 workforce? Now, she explained to me the, the demographic, psychographic of the workforce. They are call center workers in Ohio, in, in, in Ohio generally from a lower socioeconomic area, um, demographic. Okay. Um, and she said they sent them home. And I said, what was the biggest backlash? And she said, the biggest backlash was that the people said we don't have enough internet bandwidth at home oh, yeah. to be able to have voice over internet calls. And I said, so did the company upgrade your call center staff's internet at home? And they, she said, no. The bosses, now the bosses, obviously much higher socio-demographic, mm -hmm. but you know, whatever, could not get this concept. And the secondary concept they couldn't get was that they were sending call center staff home to a place where they didn't have a place to work. They were working at the kitchen table or the dining room table yeah. with kids who were homeschooled at the yeah. same time. So a huge challenge about working from home during the midst of the pandemic. Yeah. But the biggest problem was they, the company turned around and said, you have to find your own way to work every day. So you have to pay for your transport. You have to pay for your commute. We are saying that 
having the right internet at home is is a replacement for you paying for your own commuting. So everyone okay? was put it was put on them to upgrade. Yeah, so I mean look look I understand the problem with 500 staff in your call center it's a huge capital cost in the midst of a pandemic when no one knew where it was going and what the overall economic impacts were going to be. And internet services are relatively cheap mm-hmm. for a start. And if the staff had to upgrade and then downgrade when they went back to the office, those sorts of things are pretty normal today. So, uh, you know, 20 years ago, you'd have to sign up for a two or three year internet contract and you were stuck. True. But today you can upgrade and downgrade. So, so I don't think the company were necessarily wrong. But my first reaction was, oh, my God, that's such a bad human resources decision. I, I agree with you on that. And I can see it going both ways. I've heard that argument always kind of like getting yourself to work. But, um, oh, by the way, Rail, would you be willing to put down your volume a tiny bit more? I am hearing that echo a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess part of the argument that I would have is, you know, you said, yes, there's a two-year contract. And, and now every day, you know, maybe everybody has internet, but not really. Not everybody has internet. Even um, up to a couple of years ago, we've gone, you know, with just just our mobile phone, you know, and using data and not having Wi-Fi. Like we went several years without that, you know, except for, you know, working um, from my uh, work from home computer that I only had Ethernet to. I didn't have Wi-Fi for years. Um, And so just expecting that everybody had that in place is a little bit too much. Um, But then the company is saving money. They're not having to pay the janitorial staff to go and clean, you know, the offices every single day if the offices were emptied out. So there was savings there, you know. Um, they can uh, keep agreed. the lights low. I, I agree with you. That, that, so that was why my first reaction was, whoa, I don't think the company approach was 100% correct. Yeah. But I don't think it was 100% wrong either. Right. You know, I, I, I think there was a, there's a happy medium there in between. And, and I don't know if anyone knows about it yet. I don't think we haven't really got through COVID. Um, I was talking to one of the banks, to, to one of the senior guys up in Sydney yesterday who's head of their mortgage operations for one of the big four banks in Australia. And I said, how are you guys going? Because they have a workforce, a, a large percentage of their workforce in India. Oh, yeah. Which is obviously... Now, the same problem, but even exacerbated. Like in the U.S., you could kind of send people home and, as you said, make an assumption that they've got internet or mobile access or something. In India, where a lot of their workforce are, you can't send them home. They've had to shut down big sections of their operation because Mm -hmm. COVID is just rampant through those operations. And it's not the first time. It's the second or third time it's happened to them. Yeah. So, so, So... you know, we don't think about it in the Western world so much. And then you also have there, like the the multi generational families living in one home. You know, multiple people yeah. in one space and cooking and everything there. Um, yeah, going back to the the thing about the internet, that's that's just a tricky topic. I think that maybe like a prorated rate or you know some sort of supplement. I have interviewed a few people that work in call centers, and that has come up. Um, that they didn't upgrade them, uh, their internet. And when I was working for uh, a corporation, I worked for Mayo Clinic many years, they gave me a stipend. They helped cover, I think, I can't remember if it was $60 US uh, a month towards my internet, which wasn't as much as I paid. 
Um, you know, I paid for even more or my rate was more expensive at some point, but um, they at least covered the basic, you know, the, the base rate of mm. what I would have needed. I mean, I think that's the way HR, and, and it's interesting. So in my interviews around the world, I've interviewed 87 companies now, over 25 countries about their corporate culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's been, a, it's been an interesting thing. But what's interesting is that HR around the world, and less so in the US than more so in Europe and Asia, the human resource people are no longer called human resources. They're called people and culture or culture and learning or people and learning. So instead of the head of human resources, now the head of people and culture. Oh, I wouldn't have even known that. Yeah. So, so you know, and again, it's a trend that I'm starting to see in Australia. not calling the people, you know, HR or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think that that is going to change. I think the the expectation, so one of the guys, I still play hockey, not not ice hockey. Um, I have to clarify that when I talk to people in the U.S. Um, not the game on the, on the white surface, the game on the green surface called right. field hockey. Yeah, okay. Um, I still play Masters hockey, and one of my teammates works um, for government, and he has been working from home four days a week for pretty much the last 18 months. And he loves it. He actually says he doesn't want to go back into the office. Yep. So I think that's the next cultural shift about working from home is people actually enjoy it. Mm-hmm. They're actually more productive. Overall. So I'm curious. Um there is a there are a few parallels parallels today in this interview that I'm doing now versus the last one I did with a woman. Uta was saying that she also has been speaking to people in the corporate corporate side, not so much the entrepreneurial. And I'm curious, yeah. like, just how many people are going to have pushback when they say, "Okay, you need to come back to the office now," and they'll be like, "I don't want to," you know. But you know, then you get the the outliers. Maybe I don't know um, if it's a fifty fifty split: people who want to go back versus those who want to stay home. Uh, what are you seeing as you're talking to people? Is it kind of cultural or do you see it's widespread that people would prefer to stay at home or is it split? Um, it actually depends a bit on the environment and the level of the employee. Okay. Um, so people who are um, who have the ability to work from home because they have a small home office um, and they can shut the door and work from home. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty comfortable working from home. So talking to a lot of the banks now, um, because of my financial services business, their teams have worked from home almost for years, long before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would have a hot desk in the office. So if they wanted to come into the office, they would go online and book, I want desk number four okay. for Wednesday. Like a drop-in. And so they've got so that technology methodology um, has been working for a number of them for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the guys, they call them business relationship people, business development people, who are out on the road a lot. Um, and, and obviously in Perth, we don't really have any major banks. We have one of the major banks head office here. Okay. But majority of them are, are sort of regional offices for the bank. So they still have 50 to 100, maybe 200 staff, but not, not the thousands that they have in their head office. But even then, they've actually cut those offices down 
to a point where people are working from home and they come in for meetings. Now, because we have less COVID restrictions in Australia, they can come in for meetings now. Yeah. Uh, but um, a lot of the people are quite happy working from home. I was talking to a guy from a bank who popped in the other day as we were sitting down to have lunch. And so he had a coffee with us while we were having our lunch at the office. And he was saying he works from home most of the time when he's not on the road, um, even though they have a corporate office in the city. And he says once a week on a Friday morning, they go in, they go out and get coffees at the local coffee shop. They have their team meeting on a Friday. And that's about the time he spends in the office. So, so I think if the companies are creating an environment that is conducive to doing that from a tech point of view. And, and by the way, the banks got so nervous during COVID, I would have briefing updates by Zoom for my team because bank policies were still changing. Um, a lot of the banks, because of there was this major concern about Zoom and security, um, wouldn't let people use Zoom on their work computers. Yeah, I understand. So I had all the bank guys, because I've got 20-year relationships with them, updating my team members off their personal computers because they could do it off Zoom, oh. whereas the bank computers were blocking Zoom. Oh. Okay. So so, so people found innovative ways of, of getting around things, of getting around problems. Would um, they have preferred doing... Teams or something, Microsoft Teams? or? Yeah. Even then, Microsoft Teams... We're talking 18, Microsoft Teams has come a long way over the last 18 months. Yeah. But MS Teams a year and a year, you know, beginning of the COVID pandemic was not coping at all. It was not, not working at all. Got it. So it sounds as though if people have a space or an office, a door that they can close, that they are going to be more satisfied working from home because of dis yeah, I mean, disruptions. Absolutely. And I, I think... I think it's critical, and therefore in multi-generational families or in lower uh, sociographic or demographic environments where they don't have that space, that's going to be a challenge. A bigger challenge. The upside that's of that. And, and spaces and the satellite offices might be more helpful. Absolutely. But that said, what is going to happen is so for people who had to commute to a, a central business district, where now they have the opportunity to work from home, that potentially, so obviously there's, there's a rule of, of circles, as they call it in the real estate industry, you know, your five-mile radius of the city, your 10-mile radius of the city, and prices decrease generally as you go out. Mm -hmm. so, so in Perth is a good example. About 100 kilometers south of us is a satellite town, and about 80 kilometers, 70, no, about 60 kilometers north of us is a satellite town. Now, those, when you drive, it's not really satellite because it's continuous development. Yeah. But to buy a, a four-bedroom, you know, 4,000-square-foot house in the central area will cost you a couple million. Oh, yeah. That's huge. But in a regional town, it will cost you a few hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. um, now, that regional town, 100 kilometers south, has a train line into the city that takes just over an hour of commuting. So... I know a number of people who could only afford a $400,000 house have bought in that area and the, they work from home and the days they have to be in the city, they jump on the train, takes them an hour and they're in the, they're in the city. So, so yes, the commute has got longer, but they're not commuting every day. 
So, so that's going to change property around the world. Yeah, I wonder people are going to build bigger houses. I wonder if that's contributing to the. We have a, a very aggressive buying. Uh, it, it's very difficult to buy a house right now. People are moving out of the cities into the suburbs, and the scarcity is just amazing. Um, so people are, you know, offering sometimes fifty, a hundred thousand dollars more than the asking price, and paying cash, and like no contingencies, no. Uh, what do you call it? Inspections, <laughs> no appraisals. They're just trying to get out, you know, of the city, maybe so they can have that home office now. Yeah. So, so your, you know, your traditional in Australia, your traditional home office was nine square meters, so ninety square foot approximately. It, it's about ten times the conversion, not quite, but mm. close. Okay. So a ninety square foot office is the standard three by three. Um, office built in most Australian houses. I was talking to a, a friend who's a futurist. I, I'm a futurist in the culture space, like I look at the future of culture and the future of work. But he's he's a general tech futurist. And he was talking to me about the fact that people are now building houses 100 kilometers from the city because there's as long as there's commute access, so trains and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're turning that 90 square foot office into a 200 square foot office or a 300 square because they've got land now they've got space to build so they're building an office planning for a proper office not a home study mm-hmm. so so during lockdown last year um in 2020 i was so everything that i'm working on now was all picked up after I was out, out of isolation. I came into the office. I picked up all my tech, my green screen backgrounds, everything else, and I set that all up in my home office. Now, my home office is bigger. It is about 200 square foot, but it was still pretty cramped having my video studio, my work studio, my green screen set up, and everything else in this, in this office. And my wife still wanted to work there because she has a desk there too. So, In the same office? In the same office at home. Yeah, correct. Um, so, yeah, so, so, you know, basically I took it over for the period I was at home. She worked on her laptop downstairs because it, it allowed her to do that. Um, but so, so that's where people are going. They're moving out of the cities, as you say. They're paying exorbitant. The, the prices of city, of, out, of outer line price suburbs is going up. Not as dramatic as that in Perth, but it is still happening. I believe it. But because people get land, they get space, and well, that's it's not wine like country. You're in the, and the only place you can go is your patio. Adelaide, isn't that wine country too? You know, it, yeah. So it's 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 amazing that, that 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 how a pandemic has affected, you know, people buying properties, building different types of houses. Um, I mean. You know, I, the the problem is so professional services. You know, lawyers, lawyers, accountants. They've actually found that people are doing more hours at their desk, which I think is problematic. Yeah. Because they don't have the commute time. Oh. So people would would feel bad. They'd get up at you know they'd be dressed at seven o'clock in the morning and go. Okay, I've had breakfast. Now what do I do? I'd normally go out and catch the train into the city, and then grab a coffee somewhere, yeah, maybe I'll just go sit at my desk now. Right. Um, 
And I don't think that's good for people's psyche in, in the long term. A lot of people feel like they need to prove that they are still getting their work done. So there was an author. I don't know if you would have read this guy, Tim Ferriss. He wrote the four hour work week book years ago. Yeah. But he basically wanted to try to help people prove that they could get a lot done, you know, from home. And so then you got the people who are trying to get by with just being very, very productive in a short span of time and then taking the rest of the day or the week as a vacation. Um, and then you have the people who have the mindset, they're like, oh, no, my boss needs to know that I am, you know, capable of working from home and that they'll continue to let me. I think that's one of the biggest fears I've heard people say is that they are afraid that working from home will be taken away from them, that they'll have to go back to the office. You're right. And and so, I mean, I was looking at, at, at some uh, virtual assistants using VAs in, in, in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. And all the the labor hire companies who arrange the VAs for you and do the local paperwork and contracts were all talking to me about software that I could have that would monitor the time and the activity of the virtual assistant. And and I'm a believer in something completely different. Autonomy. I'm a believer in. I'm a believer in trusting people until they prove you wrong. Oh, yes. This has definitely come up recently. I'm in several groups for moms and, you know, working moms. And this has come up as managers are like, well, what's the best tracking, you know, so I can make sure my employees are are working correctly or well or, product, you know, just productive and efficient. And everyone else that's like that would be in those kinds of positions that would be um, monitored or like uh-uh, that just makes people uh I think that people that have the autonomy are going to probably give you better work than the people who are being micromanaged. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 I couldn't think of nothing worse. You know, you, you want to give people a task and if they finish the task in half an hour or two hours, that's their responsibility. Um, over the years as, as a, as an owner of multiple businesses, having, you know, different sizes of staff, you get a feel for what people are capable of. You get a feel for, for how long a task should take. So there's a chapter in my book that says, give up control to gain control. And it's about empowering staff to do stuff whilst knowing that you can do it. So all my staff know that I can do every single thing they do. And I, so because I can, I may choose not to because it's not a productive use of my time. Mm-hmm. They know that I am capable of doing it and I have an understanding of how much time it takes or how much time it will need. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I can monitor and manage. So when they were working from home, my team, so, so when, they, when they were all at home, I never asked them to clock watch. Really? You know, and, and it was interesting on our WhatsApp group because everyone was trying to be socially distant and everything else. People would message our WhatsApp group to say, I need to go into the office to fetch some files. I'll be there from nine until 10. And so everybody else would respect that and not be in their space in the office in that time because no one understood the virus. No one understood coronavirus at all. So, so, so there was this understanding that people would have to come into the office but would do it when no one else was here. Individually. Um, but I never questioned them on how productive or unproductive they were because I, I, 
I trusted them to do the same amount of work that they would do in the office um, at home. And if they did it for six hours and not eight hours. And so sometimes, so one of my team members has a small property where she has chickens and, and other animals on the farm. And so she would message me and say, you know, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going out to feed the chickens now. I'll be back at four. And that's okay because I know she was doing the work, yeah. but she has, it was respectful enough to tell the rest of the team that she wasn't there for those two hours. Okay. I wonder how but much that, of this is cultural too. All of it. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a culture of cooperation, a culture of understanding. It's, it's what I call a rich and robust culture. Um, it, it's, it's an amazing culture we've developed here, and that's kind of why I'm passionate about culture. Mm-hmm. But it is a culture of honesty, that, that, that truth is the first priority, no matter what. So if you have to phone a client and give them bad news, give them bad news. Try and give them good news at the same time, but don't sugarcoat it. Don't lie to them. Mm-hmm. Just tell them the truth, because the truth will always win. And I know that sounds um, easy enough, but um, sometimes people have to just bite the bullet and do it. I know. You know and, and actually just, just be truthful. I know a lot of people who just, are at that hourly level, you know, the people that do have to clock in and clock out because that's the way that their c- company is set up. Their corporation is, you know, has always had that. And then you've got the salaried maybe middle managers and managers and up, um, you know, who seem to have a little bit more flexibility and freedom because they're not being clocked and watched so carefully and scrutinized. Uh, What would you say, based on your experience and all these people that you've talked to, these hundreds of people in different countries and, you know, companies, what would you say to those middle managers and the the people who are making the decisions about, uh, you know, time management for their employees, especially with working from home? So, so interestingly, so if your job requires you to be at your desk, so call centers, like that call center in Ohio, mm-hmm. right? They had to be at their desks between certain hours because that's when clients were told they can call. Yep. Um, obviously, then you do want at that level of employee, you want some form of system that says John and Mary and Peter and Paul have all logged in at 8 a.m., and at 1 p.m. they took off their half an hour for lunch. You do want that because that's the way that that type of business operates. Okay. Um, I know friends who in, in major um, accounting firms here who said, and they had 11,000 employees across Australia, and they basically said to every one of the employees in that organization, and so there's two types. There's the admin type and then the billable type. So the accountants, like lawyers, who are sending bills for their time, they said to them, we don't really care when you work, but you need to do seven and a quarter hours of billing a day. Now, that's also caused other problems where people were overbilling or just making up billing to meet that timing, which is oh, okay. a whole cultural problem. But But that was how they treated their staff. So a lot of the staff chose, particularly given in, in Australia – our summers are really beautiful. And so particularly pandemic started around March. So March, April, even into May, beautiful weather. 
So some of the team members decided to go out walking on the beach or go to the beach for a swim or a surf, big surfer culture here in Australia, go to go surfing on the beach, come back at 9 o'clock in the morning, have a shower, start work at 10 and work till 7 in the evening, do their seven and a half hours of billable time in their own time because they didn't necessarily have to be at the desk. They weren't taking calls hours. during a specific slot of time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the higher in the organization, the easier it is to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the leaders of the organization always have to set the example. And I think that's one of the key leadership skills. It's, it's, you can't say to the staff, don't do what I do. Okay. You can't, you have to say, follow my lead, follow my example. Um, do, you know, do as I, as I do, not do as I say. Like, you know, I know that you, and that's what the true role of a good leader is. So, so I will tell the staff in my office, hey guys, I'll see you at 10 tomorrow because I'm going to the gym. Now, a lot of bosses go, oh my God, how can you tell the staff you're in the gym when they're in the office? Well, because I sent them emails at 5.30 this morning, okay? So I wouldn't highlight the fact that I've sent them emails, but they know that I was clearing my email before I went to the gym at 8 o'clock in the morning. Okay. So, so but I, that example is, is showing them that, okay, if you have a doctor's appointment or you want to fetch your child from school or take your child to a doctor's appointment or, you know, go and visit somebody in hospital or whatever, that's okay. I'm not going to watch the time you spend in the office, but I'm going to expect that your work is done. So I manage my time by getting up early, checking my email first thing over my first coffee in the morning, and then I go and exercise because then my head is clear. I'm not thinking, oh, what did I do here, whatever. So that's the way I manage my life. That's my break working from home. So we, we, we went off that topic earlier. How do you manage the decompression time. So again, solopreneur at home is different because they're passionate about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. The, the, the paid employee, salaried employee working from home, they used to commute, which was their decompression time. Yes. They would get into their car, get into the train, get into the bus to go home, listen to a podcast. And that's again, so we're talking on a podcast. Before COVID, the average length of a podcast, average across the whatever two million podcasts around the world, was about fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. because the average commute time internationally is in fifteen and twenty minutes. Because people are now consuming podcasts working at home, the timing has gone from anything from fifteen minutes to an hour, mm-hmm. because people are consuming that sitting at their desk, because there's no other employees there to get bugged by the sound. Yeah, or I'll listen to mine while I'm exercising if I'm going to go for a long walk later, Um, you know, an hour long. Some of these have actually rolled past an hour more recently. Um, At the beginning, when I started this podcast, it was about 45 to 50 minutes on average, and it's already people are blowing past that hour. And you know what? I'm okay with that because I feel like there's a lot to be said in these stories, I hope, are helping people just to know that, you know, the things that you're feeling aren't unique you know, like you are one of many or who are dealing with some of these issues. And I think some people feel afraid to talk about the challenges, the frustrations that come with working from home. You know, it's easy to talk about well, the, the positives, but there are some challenges that come with it, too. I mean, one of the one of the 
challenges is the de this decompression time, yes. right? And so I have a theory. I haven't proved it. Have I researched it? No, I have a theory, my own opinion, right? That alcohol consumption went up when places went into lockdown. Yes. Right? Why did alcohol consumption go up? Because the physical act, and we did it. When I was in isolation, when I was working from home, when, when our office was shut, I would, and again, given the summer in Australia, beautiful time of day, mm -hmm. I would turn on to my wife at 6 in the evening or 5.30 and go, let's have a sundowner. Now, for me, that replaced that 20 minutes drive mm. between the office and home. Mm -hmm. And so I'm convinced that people were drinking more because it was a replace. not only that some people were depressed because they're working from home and not having human contact. And COVID. That's a whole different <laughs> discussion. But I think that people were just doing that as their time to mark, I've shut my laptop, I've poured a sundowner, I'm now making that distinction time mm -hmm. between home and work. So some people didn't go to alcohol, they went to exercise at that point. Not me. Um, you know, go out for a run, go out for a walk, do something. But I think that's critical. So working from home, the best advice I gave my team members was do something to mark the day at the beginning and mark the day at the end. I have heard someone actually, give a fantastic thing. They said that they would actually just walk out the front door and walk around the block, I think in one direction. And then at the end of the day, they got out the door and they walked around the block the other direction. And for them, that was their signal. That was the beginning and the end of their day. I liked that. Mm. You're talking about the commute. And I used to commute about 45 minutes. And I, you know, I had my podcasts and things that I listened to. This is a long time ago, actually. Um, so my podcasts, <laughs> I was still downloading onto like my little old iPad or even like burning onto a DVD to play in my car to talk about how long we're talking about. But I really miss that. And in the, you know, daily life that we've had in the last few years with little kids, I still had to get in the car and drive them to school. And so that was kind of like the end of my day because I worked nights and then um, I'd go to sleep and I'd wake up and I'd pick up my kids and I'd drive them home from school. And that was, you know, kind of my my time in the car. And I think I didn't realize how much I missed that. So after COVID uh, locked everything down and we really were social distancing, I'd tell my husband every once in a while, I just want to drive just to feel normal. I don't have anywhere to go. I just want to go and see the mountains. And so I live outside of the Phoenix area and I would just get on the, the interstate that goes around the city and I would just drive for maybe 20, 30 minutes and I could feel normal again i've replaced that a little bit i started i joined this group called um the buy nothing group one of my previous uh guests on the show actually mentioned it and buy nothing group is just like giving away things that you don't need anymore so that other people in the community that could use it can have it for free and it's just a gift um it's not a trade or a barter and so every once in a while there'll be like a lady who's giving away a table that my kids could use in their homeschooling space and sure, I'll hop in the car and I'll drive that 20 minutes to go pick it up, shove it into my van and drive home. And that was my decompression for the day. And so I feel like we're going to have to, if we're working from home, we're going to have to replace that commute with something. It doesn't have to be driving, but some sort of hobby or time out of the house. I agree with you. It's good. Yeah, it just because we have to demarcate that time. And I said, I'm terrible at doing that. Yeah. I mean, oh, no, I'm not. Let, let me rephrase that. <laughs> I, I will 
I will go and look at my computer um, before I go to shower and go to bed, mm -hmm. but I won't work on my computer before I go to bed. Okay. So I also make a distinct difference about blue screen and, and screen time yeah. in the hour before I go to sleep. So mm -hmm. I will go to my computer on the way upstairs to, to the shower. I'll check if there's anything that I need to deal with. Um, if there's things that I've been thinking about while we've been downstairs having dinner, being with the kids, whatever, I'll kind of send a quick email or two, and then I'm done. Okay. I actually make the distinction, turn the screens off, and I'm done. So if you take um, a shower, you can't go back to the computer? Is that your rule? I don't go back to the computer. All right. No. That's fair. Yeah, I'll sit and watch TV upstairs. I'll do something else, read a book, but I won't go back to my computer. I mean, yes, occasionally I've had a lot of work to do, and I've gone, listen, I'm going to do, you know, work till midnight, and then I'm going to go and have a cup of tea and go watch TV for half an hour to unwind from that work. So make that distinction. So yes, occasionally all of us have to work long hours mm -hmm. and work late at night because we, you know, we backed up, we've got work to do. Or you're international, so But, you're working with multinational companies. Yes. A lot of my interviews are, you know, I'm, I'm often in the office here at 5 a.m., either recording episodes for my podcast mm -hmm. or being on other people's podcast. Mm -hmm. I was worried then that this I'll was too in. early for you, but thank you for letting me know that. No, this is this is fine. Um, and I'll, so I'll often come in and then I'll go to the gym because I've been here for two hours by seven o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and then I'll go to the gym. So you're actually so, physically in your office today because you, you chose to come in because you wanted to record in your office. I wanted to record in the office because my sound is better. It's quieter. I have a, a studio here. So I moved everything that I set up at home back to the office about six months ago. Okay. Um, I have a nicer backdrop um, in my office at home. I don't have a green screen up anymore, so you see my bookshelves and everything else, which is a natural background. Mm -hmm. But the, the sort of fake backgrounds don't work that well, whereas this is actually a bookshelf with, with things on it behind yeah. me. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I prefer recording here. It's quieter. I have a better quality. This is not a webcam. This is actually a, a 4K video camera that I use, not a webcam. Mm -hmm. So it's it's been set up specifically. This studio, the story behind it is I do a lot of keynoting for international conferences still. Okay. Because that's one of my businesses is doing keynotes. So if I step back to here, it's yeah, I'm normally mic'd up. So the mm -hmm. microphone will adjust slightly. But this is what you see as if you're seeing me on stage. You're seeing my hands. Um, for those watching the video feed of this, I always tell fishing stories. No, I don't. But I'm accused by my speaker buddies of being fishing stories because I'm always using my hands <laughs> up here like this, telling them about how big the fish was. But it allows me to, to do lots of things, spatial positioning. If I'm telling you a story of uh, I was talking to John and John said to me and I said to John, I will physically move around. So I will do this. I will say, I was talking to John and John said to me. Okay. So in your mind, you are seeing me in two different positions as two different characters. I like that. And so being in this studio allows me to do a lot of the stagecraft in this space. And so that's my coping with COVID by having this. So I set all this up at home. And I was doing a lot of keynoting from home. In fact, even during my isolation time to coming back from Bali, 
I had three keynotes in that two-week period oh, wow. that I had to tell everyone in the house to shut up uh-huh. and close all the doors because I didn't want sound. Mm-hmm. I had my green screen up. Um, and even then, the green screen technologies improved over the last 18 months because it had to. But even then, the green screens were a little bit fuzzy. You'd get a little bit, you know, my, my gray hair would come out all weird colors or not come out at all. Mm. You know, so, yeah, I, I'm more comfortable doing it in the office. And it's part of the hybrid. Yeah, it's interesting to talk to you because, uh, you know, some people that had to go 100% home want to stay there. And you're making that choice that you're like, nope, I want to keep that office because there still serves a purpose. So what purpose does it serve you? You like the aesthetics and the audio quality of being in your in this physical space. Are, would you have been able to replicate that at home if you would have made a few more tweaks? Or you just really like yeah, that Yeah, so um, I, I did replicate at home. But the problem of a home environment is that there are people, there are dogs. Other people. And my dogs would bark every time I was recording. Mm-hmm. Um, I still record for my own podcast a number of episodes from home mm-hmm. because I only record audio. I don't record the video. Mm-hmm. And so um, often my 6 a.m.s, you know, I'll, I'll make a choice. If I'm doing the video feed, I'll come into the office. If I'm just doing audio, I'll do it at home. I'm part of a two mastermind groups um, that I, I run masterminds, but I also am a participant in masterminds of other people's because you – can never learn enough. Of so course. you're always learning from other people. Wait. And so those masterminds I'll often do from home because they used to seeing my backgrounds. Okay. Yeah. We actually have three young children. Our oldest is 10. Our youngest is five. And I, I love it when I can interview someone who is in a different time zone for me because like, especially like say here at East coast uh, USA, they're three hours ahead of us here in Arizona currently. And I'm like, hey, could you do a 9 a.m.? And a lot of times that's not too early for most people, but it's great for me because it's at 6 a.m. for me. And my kids are still asleep. (laughs) They are less likely to walk in and interrupt. Um, My husband is not trying to hop in the shower um, or, you know, just, I don't know, just, I'm just less likely to be interrupted. It's, It's a good time for me. Um, you know, right now it's four o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon. And I, just like you said, I need to tell everyone in my family, I need you to be quiet. Please don't come in and please don't interrupt me <laughs> only if you're having an emergency. And, um, now my husband is home. He just got home from work a few minutes ago, I think. But, um, you know, I told them the kids are going to be watching a DVD because I don't want them watching Netflix. Um, and so it does kind of restrict. And my husband actually does have the opportunity to work from home and he could have come home earlier today. But I'm like, but I don't want you using the internet because I'm going to be using the internet for this um, recording. Zoom doesn't seem to suffer as much when other people are using bandwidth. But this uh, Riverside website that I'm using for recording the podcast, you know, for the audio and the visual and having the four separate tracks, um, it seems to really suck that bandwidth. And I have to be so careful. So, yeah, it does affect other people in the family when I am trying to do, say, an interview. So we have, so yesterday as an example, my daughter, who happens to be home for the moment, because she was with me in Bali, came back to Australia on a holiday and got stuck here. She was living in London at the time. Oh. Um, she's now moving to Melbourne in a couple months, but she's a Pilates in, instructor and a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. And so yesterday she was asked to do a class from home. We have a gym at home. Uh-huh. And she was asked to run a class from home because all the gyms are shut. Mm-hmm. So she did a Zoom class. 
And the next thing I saw at about 4.30, because it was 5 p.m. she was doing it yesterday, uh, messages going out on our family chat group. Don't go and don't go on Netflix anybody for the next hour because even though she was only using Zoom, she wanted to make sure that the bandwidth was the maximum she could get. Exactly. And 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 the worst time, so so it, it's an interesting phenomenon. Um, because Perth people have gone back to the office, a lot of them. Traditionally, our worst time for internet is from five p.m. till nine p.m. in most suburban areas, because yeah. that's when people get home. They turn on their Netflix, they turn on their computers, and they literally suck the bandwidth of the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. And so, and she was doing this class at 5 p.m. So she was saying, no Netflix, anybody, shut your computers down yeah. at home. I was at the office because I was doing a, an interview for my own podcast, and I planned that deliberately because she, I knew she was doing this class. I even asked my husband, I said, I'm going to be doing an interview when you are coming home, so please turn your Wi-Fi off and use data on your phone if you're going to check the news. Yeah. So I, I think I'm getting to the point, and I've mentioned this a few times, that I probably am going to just have to get a separate internet uh, modem for the family because the business is starting to use, you know, more ma- bandwidth. And, and I don't want to restrict my family in that way, but we're still kind of in that area, you know, where, like, it needs to pay for I, I need this business to pay for these extra expenses. And so at one point, do you just put it out and pay for it? And, ex- you know, it's like, if you build it, they will come kind of thing versus... You know, I need to wait until it's it's going to be justified. We're in that spot right yeah. now. It's it's what's going to work itself out over the next few years around the world. It's not going to be a simple answer yet. Um, you know, new I I reckon new developments already in Australia are being built um, with uh, fiber optic cable. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with with fiber optic connections to every house. So, so a lot of our fiber here in Australia is a little bit behind um, America, where you have cable in most places. Yeah. Um, but new developments here are being built with with fiber, not just to the house, but to the node. Um, and so that's going to be a big change with people buying in outlying areas, having really good high-speed mm-hmm. access over fiber, literally from the provider all the way to their computer as opposed to using copper at some points, which is what we end up with now, a combination of copper and fiber. Wow, that's interesting. So, so that's, that's going to play out um, bandwidth, you know, using mobile data. Um, there's lots and lots of things happening that we don't even know where they're going. Um, you know, the challenge for human resource people is they have to train staff to be in jobs and they don't know what those jobs are yet. Hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, how do you, I was talking to someone the other day who does, um, yeah, he, he runs a portal for online training. And I, and, he, and I said, well, you know, what's the future of that? How does it compare to other platforms? And he was telling me something interesting. He said their niche is employee onboarding. Yeah. So, and he worked out that it doesn't matter which major corporation you work for, you can literally change the logo on the video and the same employee onboarding is 80% the same across all these corporations. I believe it. Just And so their, their niche is providing employees with remote access to onboarding um, and, and it's becoming more relevant now. Mm-hmm. 
when I went to work from home from uh, from Mayo Clinic, there was a whole training session and all these like check sheet checklists and you know tasks that we had to accomplish in order to get permission to to work from home. And with the pandemic, so many people just got thrust into it, and we'll just figure it out later. Um, what would hmm. what advice would you give to people? I'm gonna have to wrap this up because I have to get into my next meeting here in a minute. Yeah. What advice would you give people who are looking to work from home who haven't done it before or who are trying to weigh whether or not they should continue doing it even after the pandemic uh, would allow them to go back into the office otherwise? I I think that working from home is and, and le- if you have the ability to work from home, in other words, today the biggest requirements are bandwidth and space. Yes. You know, and so if you can comfortably work from home um, with enough internet bandwidth and enough space to work where you can have your own space that mimics the space in your office, um, I think it's better for home life. I think... The fact is, if you don't have to be tied to your desk like a call center worker, um, the fact that, uh, you know, a parent or both parents have often worked from offices and maybe had kids going to extended aftercare at school or daycare or something like that, the ability of parents to go, I'm leaving my desk for 20 minutes because I'm going to fetch my child from school, that I think is good for family life. And I think it's good for mm-hmm. for wholesome family life. Just being around the home. If you're not tied to being on a you know on a on a headset and you can't have noise and all those things, but you can, you know, your kids can sit next to you at the desk and do their homework. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have had that ability before. Some people go, oh my God, why won't you know yes, schooling from home when when I know in in, in a lot of areas, Toronto um, has shut down its entire school system mm-hmm. um, until the end of the school year. Um, and so, yes, it puts a lot of strain on people working from home and the ability to manage both the kids and the adults. We've definitely dealt I with that. I think those are some of the challenges. Yeah. But I think the benefits of working from home, of not commuting, of being able to actually walk outside into your own garden mm-hmm. and have a five-minute coffee break mm-hmm. in your own garden, um, have your spouse working from home and actually say, right, at 10 o'clock, we're going to have a coffee break yep. and we're both going to go and sit outside. Um, even if we're in an apartment, sit out on the balcony and just spend five minutes talking to each other. Otherwise, we would have done that on the mobile phones at the office and that's just wrong. Yeah. So let's let's do those things. And I think I think if you're managing to work from home by managing your time, as we were talking about, Starting work at 6 in the morning, by 7.30, or you work at 6 because your kids are still asleep, um, but your own personal time comes after that. Your decompression time, take the kids to school. Spend time making them breakfast, but you've done an hour's work. I think our work-life balance, or I don't like the term work-life balance. I like life-work balance. I think life is more important Mm -hmm. than work. I mean, yes, we have to work because you have to earn money. But, but I think life-work balance, and and probably that view of the world comes from the fact that I had two cardiac stents at age forty-nine. Oh wow! Not because I had a heart attack, just genetics, mm-hmm. but it did change my perspective on life-work balance, wow. on being able to make sure 
there, there are days where I'll be, my wife is not teaching at the moment, but I'll be working at home and I'll send her a text because she's out somewhere with her friends or downstairs in the house and I'm working and I'll say, let's go out for lunch today. Mm-hmm. Let's go for a walk at the beach. We've done this. We've- you know, let's take that time out and do that. I think that's what people are going to need to do mm-hmm. in the future and it's going to be a better life-work balance. So rather That's than my... working that extra 30 minutes at the beginning and the end of the day, take those 30 minutes to make that lunch for your kid or to go for a walk. We've actually been able to play a board game at lunchtime. My husband typically takes his lunch around the same time of day, and we can kind of plan on that. And we've set up a big old game. It was fun. We've gone for a walk around the block a few times, or bike ride even, for his lunch break. and. Mm. I really love that. But some of that has to do with the fact that we're homeschooling more of our kids now. We've got three kids and only one of them is taking one little online class every day. Otherwise, we have just more time freedom in general. And I think homeschooling might kind of explode again as, you know, the freedom that you get with um, working from home can work well with homeschooling. Or maybe someday I'll just send the kids back to school. We'll see. (laughs) I might enjoy that as well. Uh, Rail, we've got to finish up. What final words would you like to share? Anything that we didn't touch on that you would like to make sure we get out? Well, I, I think you have to, you know, and again, I started off by saying a solopreneur has to have a different approach to somebody who's driven by corporate policies and philosophies. And so, you know, at a corporate level, at a, at a senior management level, they have to acknowledge that people come from different demographic backgrounds and therefore have to make allowances for those demographic and psychographic differences. Mm -hmm. As a solopreneur working from home, it's exciting. It's fun. It is very frustrating because you don't have people to talk to. And so my advice to those people working from home is you said you were part of, you're part of a group that, you know, gives away things, um, you know, when they don't need them. I get involved in something, whether it is, a net so a lot of networking groups now meet over Zoom mm-hmm. or over some other platform. MS Teams yep. become part of a networking group, yeah. become part of a Rotary Club, Book um, Club, Lions Club, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. You can do that stuff where you're still interacting with people and you're still working from home. Absolutely. And so instead of um, having a Rotary breakfast or a a BNI networking breakfast. They now bring your own breakfast and sit in front of your computer and we all eat and we do the same thing together. I think those are very important. In fact, even more important than the pre-COVID days. I think the new normal with people working for, is going to be people working from home. But we are not... For those who've watched that show, Life Below Zero, um, the TV show about Life Below Zero and Sue Atkins... Who, who lives in the remotest part of northern Alaska and her nearest neighbor is, is 300 or 400 kilometers away. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, she, she basically runs literally a landing strip and refueling station on the most northern border of Alaska. Wow. Um, and it's just in the middle of nowhere, right? Um, and she's happy being on her own. She's, she's actually one of the few people who's probably truly happy without human contact. But for the rest of us, we need some form of contact. And working from home, sometimes that contact is through a camera lens and a microphone. And and don't be afraid of it. 
but embrace it. Embrace the networking groups, the social groups, the whatever. That's what you need to keep your spirits alive. Absolutely. And work, I mean, does provide a certain amount of human contact, but it doesn't have to be your only social contact. So don't forget, you yeah. can go find a hobby and, and meet that need. Well, thank you, Rail. Thank you so much for meeting with me. I appreciate it. This has been very insightful. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. I love sharing ideas and I, I love the fact that every um, every podcast actually has its own identity yeah. and its own theme. And and I love being able as a as a as a thirty year entrepreneur and business person, being able to apply my learnings and my experiences and my failures to to be able to share that knowledge with people through the medium of podcasts. So I love doing what that. What is the name of your podcast? Business Excellence Podcast. The Business Excellence Podcast. Um, the website is excellencepodcast.com. And if anyone wants to get hold of me, they can either get me through the excellencepodcast.com website or through railbricker.com. And your book was Dive In. Dive In, Lessons Learned Since Business School. We'll put all of these into the and show notes for anyone who is wanting to yeah. find out more as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Rail. This has been April Malone with Rail Bricker, and we will see you next time. Thank you.